Amen. Thank you, Brother Frank. Matthew chapter 19 is where we're going to be this morning. And considering the thought, of course, that Jesus loves the little children. Church, what's our theme for the year? A little pop quiz as we get started. Our theme for the year is what? Church matters. And if church matters, then it stands to reason that the ministries that we do matter. Let me make this statement that no ministry we do here at Harvest is done out of convenience. In other words, we don't have time or the treasure to organize things just to make our lives easier. The ministries that we seek to do here at Harvest are done out of conviction. And this absolutely includes the ministry that we do with our children. Now, children's ministry is important to this church because children are important to Jesus. Now, throughout my life, I have been privileged to be a part of churches that have been passionate and purposeful about helping children come to know the Lord and saving faith and then helping them to follow Him with their lives. And really, Harvest is no different. And church, as we talk about children and children's ministries and reaching children for Christ, uh, let me make this statement as we start this morning, that it's important for us to note that parents are to be the primary discipler of their children. In other words, it's not the church's job to train the children to know and follow Christ. It is primarily the parent's job to do that. That is a task that is given to parents by God. Ephesians 6 and verse number 4 reminds us that ye fathers, provoke not your children to wrath, but bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. We see that in the New Testament, the Old Testament counterpart in Deuteronomy chapter 6. Uh, along the same lines, uh, Moses and the Lord says, These words which I command thee this day shall be in thine heart. And what are we to do with them? We're to teach them diligently unto our children. And so we see the primary discipler that God has given to children is mom and dad. But we as a church, we are privileged to be able to come alongside the home, to champion and to complement what God has given parents to do. And we as a church also help to serve, to reach and help and train those who do not have a godly home. Because we know that is often the case. So this morning, we're going to look at this. It's a little bit of a different message for a Sunday morning. But church matters. And church ministry matters. And I want us to understand this morning why we here at Harvest purposely and passionately seek to help children to come to know Jesus. I'm going to tell you, the reason we have junior church, nursery, you name it, is not so that you have a quieter experience in here. It's because Jesus loves the little children. So we're going to look at a little bit of philosophy of ministry this morning, and I hope it's a help and an encouragement to you. Look with me, Matthew chapter 19, beginning in verse 13. The Bible says this, Then were there brought unto him little children, that he should put his hands on them and pray, and the disciples rebuked them. I want you to note, first of all, this morning, number one, if you're taking notes, the opportunity of children's ministry. Or we'd even title it the opportunity of childhood. We see here in this passage that these children were brought to Christ. That someone took the time to introduce these little ones to Jesus. Now we've already covered it. It's best if the parents are leading the charge in that regard. But that's not always the case. But regardless, what we find is that 
Someone got that burden. Someone answered that call. Someone took the time. Someone spent the treasure. Someone had a burden for the children to know Jesus and the joy that comes with knowing him. And I note here in this passage that really we have reference to it could be children of all ages. The word that's used here is a broad word that can refer to infants through elementary age or might even call them half-grown little people. In Luke, the focus of a similar passage was on the very young, even babies. What do we find? We find that all children are welcome by Jesus. From the babies to the half-grown to the full-grown, all are precious in his sight. And so we see the introduction to Christ. But church, may we never forget the innocence of childhood. That there is a window of innocence and openness in childhood that is largely missing from the rest of life. There is a window of innocence and openness in childhood that is largely missing from the rest of life. Think about this with me. Praise the Lord. Children are ignorant of much. Praise the Lord for that. Praise the Lord, children are interested in much. There is a curiosity that comes with childhood. Praise the Lord for that. Praise the Lord, children are ignorant of much. They're interested in much. Praise the Lord that children are open and impressionable to much. We have an opportunity to impact young hearts. Children are, as a group, are largely open considering spiritual things, to the Holy Spirit as he draws them to Jesus. You know, it's not, hard to, 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 it's not hard for a child to recognize their sin. It's not hard for a child to recognize their need. And it's often not hard for a child to humble themselves to receive the Savior. So much so that Jesus used them as as an illustration. Back in the previous chapter of Matthew 18 in verse number 3, we see this. Jesus said, Verily I say unto you, except you be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Why is that? Because little children, little children are open to the Holy Spirit as he draws them to Jesus. They're honest about their sin, their need. They're humble to receive. You know, there have been a number of studies done over the years, and the statistics say this. About 85% of people who claim uh, to follow the Lord Jesus Christ to be a Christian, about 85% of people who claim to be a Christian, claim to have made that decision to receive Christ between the ages of 4 and 14. 85%. I fit that statistic. 10% claim to have made the decision to receive Christ between 15 and 30. And only around 5% claim to have made that decision after the age of 30. Why is that? Well, because there is a window of innocence and openness in childhood that is largely missing the rest of life. I can think of some of the interactions I've had with kids around here. One young man who wanted to get saved because what he wanted for Christmas was Jesus in his heart. 
I remember one interaction with another young person here, and they were very concerned because they didn't want to wait until they were a teenager to get saved. They wanted to get saved now. And I said, well, buddy, you don't have to wait until you're a teenager to get saved. And you think about the innocence, the openness. Church, what an opportunity to introduce them to the heart of the Savior before they have been tainted by the heartbreak of the world. And by the way, if we don't reach them, the world will. And so church, that's why we are purposed and passionate about the opportunity of children's ministry. We see number one, the opportunity of children's ministry. But number two... With the opportunity, what do we find? We find the objection of the critics. Did you notice that? Verse number 13 again. There were brought unto him little children that he should put his hands on them and pray. And the disciples did what, church? And the disciples rebuked them. The objection of the critics. What a wonderful thing. These children were brought to Jesus. And then old grumpy pants chimes in. By the way, they always do. Here, believe it or not, it was the disciples. Now, in the disciples' defense, they meant well, but they missed the point. What what was the objection of the disciples? Well, it could have been this. They could have objected to the time involved. If you look at the context of this passage, you know what you're going to find? That Jesus is doing great things. You go back to verse number 2, and you're going to find that Jesus is ministering to great multitudes. And great multitudes followed him. Hey, what an awesome thing. I mean, multitudes. We know sometimes it was thousands upon thousands of people following Jesus. How cool is that? Jesus was ministering to great multitudes. Not just was he ministering to great multitudes, he was doing great miracles. Did you note that? And he healed them there. So we have great multitudes. We have great miracles. You know, from a world's perspective, there were great men in attendance. You look at verse number 3, and we find this. And the Pharisees also came unto him, tempting him, saying unto him, and they asked him the question about marriage and divorce. And so from the world's perspective, there were great men here. And there were about to be great theological discussions, great multitudes, great miracles, great men. And then Jesus preaches a great message. You look beginning in verse number 4, and really it comes up to where we are. And he answered and said unto them, Have ye? not read that he which made them at the beginning made them male and female and said for this cause shall a man leave his father and mother and shall cleave unto his wife and they shall be one flesh wherefore they are no more twain but one flesh Jesus says what therefore God hath joined together let not man put asunder boy this is a big chapter Jesus is doing big things great multitudes great miracles great men great messages and then come the little children I mean to quote someone on YouTube ain't nobody got time for that We got big things going on. Jesus is doing the work, man. Jesus is in the thick of it. And these kids show up. And the disciples, Jesus, look at all the big things you have to do. You don't have time for these little people. And the disciples wrongly assumed that Jesus was too busy. The disciples wrongly assumed that the children didn't measure up. 
They wrongly assumed that the children weren't worth the time that it would take. The disciples placed a greater value on the adult than the adolescent. And they were wrong. Yes, to answer the objection of the critic, children's ministry takes a lot of time and treasure. I even think about vacation Bible school. Sometime tonight or tomorrow, there will be a set that goes up for the drama for next week. And uh, it's going to be obvious it took a lot of time to get that ready. We're going to have a drama that takes place two times a night, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, or something like that. And it's going to be obvious that it took a lot of time for all those people to remember those lines and remember those places and remember those cues to get all the stuff together. It took a lot of time and treasure for people to get the craft stuff together, a lot of time and treasure to get the snack stuff together. We've got, we've got people who are leading here and running there and checking people in and doing this and doing that, and we've got people going everywhere next week. Charles has been working on this for months. Is it worth it? Well, preacher, it takes a lot of time. Preacher, it certainly sounds like it takes a lot of treasure. Is it worth it? If it brings children to Jesus, yes, it does. Yes, it is. Children are important to Jesus. Yes, children's ministry takes time to prepare Yes, it takes time to teach. You know what else? It takes time to listen. A lot of times, children just want to talk. And it takes time to listen. And yes, it takes time to help. Yes, critic, children's ministry takes a lot of time and takes a lot of treasure. But it's worth it. If it brings the children to Jesus. The objection of the critic. Well. What about the time involved? What about the treasure involved? Ooh, here's another one. What about the trouble involved? Maybe, just maybe, Jesus stopped preaching his sermon because one of those babies started crying. It happens. From time to time, it happens. And the babies start to cry and the babies start to fuss and, oh, it's just a lot of trouble. I mean, how was Jesus going to debate with these Pharisees with kids screaming and running all over the place? This trouble, by the way, is still an objection that many people hold today. And let's be honest. Let's call it what it is. Kids be crazy. Can I get an amen? amen. Not your kids. I know your kids. Bless their hearts and bless your heart. Your kid is the exception to the rule, and I would never insinuate that about yours. But in general, kids be crazy. Kids are immature. How many of us recognize kids don't understand appropriateness? I was getting ready to do a wedding last week. And there was a child in here, not associated with the wedding at all, playing hide-and-go-seek. Yes, it was one of yours. I'll tell you who's after the... I'll tell you... Not who's. I'll tell you if it was yours after the service, if you want to know. But I said, well, we're, we're, we're going to have to do that in another place than the church sanctuary. We're getting ready to have a wedding. Oh. Down the hall they went. 
children don't understand appropriateness. They're immature. And that can be trouble sometimes. Kids are unpredictable. Kids damage things. Very recently, we had all the paint peeled off of a freshly painted wall. We've had kids peel paint. We've had kids break things. We've had kids steal things. We've had kids color on things. One of our deacons, Brother Nate Griner, on Wednesday night gave public testimony of the fact that when he was a child, he put holes in drywall. Uh, He did many other things that he didn't mention, and I won't tell you because he's not in here. We've had kids scream. We've had kids squirm. I mean, kids are unpredictable, and sometimes they damage or upset things. And and yes, that is true, that sometimes that kind of trouble does come with kids. And yes, church, we do strive for order and structure. And yes, church, we work hard to keep things maintained. But the reality is I would rather these facilities wear out than rust out. Because ministry, because work, because progress is fundamentally messy by nature. Solomon said this in Proverbs 14 and verse number 4. He said, where no oxen are, the crib is clean. In other words, if you want to keep the barn clean, don't expect to get any work done. But if you want to get some work done, you better be prepared to deal with some mess. And ministry and work... And progress is by its very nature messy sometimes. But if there is no mess, then church, there probably is no ministry. Because babies don't cry in dead churches. Teens don't struggle in dead churches. Kids don't act out in dead churches. We are a spiritual hospital, a ministry, and not a museum. Yes, children's ministry takes time and treasure. And yes, children's ministry sometimes brings trouble. But if it brings children to Jesus, it's worth it. It's worth it. It's worth it. Jesus loves the little children. Amen, church. We see the opportunity of children's ministry. We see the opportunity of childhood. We see the objection of the critics. And this morning, I'll tell you, if you're struggling with some of those objectives, I'll remind you, I don't want to be too hard. The disciples meant well. They meant well, but they missed the point. They missed the point. Church, we have got to take a step back and see the point that Jesus came to seek and save them that were lost. And that includes children. So we see the opportunity. We we see the objection. But finally this morning, I want us to see this. I want us to see the objective of Christ. So we've seen the objection of the critic. Now we need to see the objective of Christ. Verse number 13 again. Then were there brought unto him little children, that he should put his hands on them and pray, and the disciples rebuked them. But Jesus said, suffer or allow little children. And forbid them not to come unto me, for of such is the kingdom of heaven. And he laid his hands on them. The indication there, the implication is he blessed them and prayed for them and departed thence. 
And so, yes, we see the opportunity, we see the objection, but we also have to see the objective of Jesus. What is Jesus trying to accomplish? What is Jesus teaching us that we need to accomplish in regards to our children's ministries here at Harvest? Well, let me give you a couple of things this morning and we're done. First of all, love them unconditionally. You know what? We don't know anything about these little children who came to Jesus, but we don't have to. We don't know if they were Jewish children. We don't know if they were Gentile children. We don't know if they were babies. We don't know if they were elementary. We don't know if they were rich kids or poor kids or anything in between. We don't know anything about these children who came to Jesus, but we don't have to because Jesus accepted them all. No child was excluded. No child was left behind. And by the way, that's what we are called to do as well. We want to love and reach Every child we can in Jesus' name. Now, I will tell you, children will test this. They will test us on this. You know, sometimes, honestly, children demand unreasonable attention. Can I make a statement? The world doesn't revolve around your child. This church doesn't revolve around your child. And so our world does not revolve around children. We are not a child-centric ministry. We are a Jesus-centric ministry. So it's important for us to understand. Kids are going to test us on it. Sometimes they're going to demand unreasonable attention. Sometimes, let's be honest, they're going to be hard to love. Not yours. Again, not yours, I promise. Sometimes, man... They're going to be hard to love. But believe it or not, you're called to be the bigger person. And forgive them. And help them to grow into the young man or young woman God has given them to be. All children are going to test us on this one. They're going to demand unreasonable attention and we need to remind them that The world doesn't revolve around them. They're going to be hard to love. You know, sometimes they're going to be hard to connect to. Not not every child is easy to connect with. How many of us recognize not even our children are sometimes easy to connect with? But every child has value. Every child. Every child has a place in God's plan. And so what is the objective of Christ? What is the objective of this church? We want to love them unconditionally. Not only do we want to love them unconditionally, but we want to, number two, look out for them diligently. Go back with me one chapter. We already referenced Matthew 18. But there is an even broader uh, aspect about children here that Jesus is teaching. Matthew 18, and we're going to read verses 2 through 6. The Bible says this, And Jesus called a little child unto him, and set him in the midst of them, and said, This is the verse we read earlier, Verily I say unto you, Except ye be converted, and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoso shall receive one such little child in my name, receiveth me. Isn't that a beautiful promise? Verse number 6, though. <laughs> Let's read this in unison together. This is one of those wonderful Bible verses that we need to read in unison together. But whoso shall offend one of these little ones which believe in me, 
It were better for him that a millstone were hanged about his neck and that he were drowned in the depth of the sea. Isn't that edifying this morning? Aren't you encouraged for being in church? But you know what Jesus is teaching? We need to look out for them diligently. I'm telling you, this is a dire warning here. That God takes incredibly seriously the protection of these little children. The idea of offend is to cause them to stumble. And so we find here children who want to follow Christ and want to be near to Christ. But we have someone come in their path and cause them to stumble or to fall or to turn aside. Jesus said it is better, it would have been better for that person that a millstone be hanged about their neck. And that they be drowned in the depths of the sea. Than the consequence they're going to receive for offending one of these little ones which believe in me. I'm going to tell you, church, God takes seriously the protection of little children. We at Harvest take seriously the protection of little children. This is why we have child protection policies here for anyone who serves in any children's ministry. That's why this summer we're going to have several different sessions where it's kind of, a, kind of an update of our child protection policies. And, and what we're going to ask is that if you work with children in any capacity, you want to work with children in any capacity, or you want to continue to work with children in any capacity, that everyone is going to have to come to one of these three classes. Why? Because we take very, very seriously our responsibility to protect these little ones. This is why we have child protection policies in place. By the way, this is why we also preach the truth. Because we don't just protect them from evil people. We need to protect them from evil philosophy. That's why, you know, okay. So I'm getting ready to talk about how junior church... And he talks about this pinata this morning. So I'm sure there's some spiritual significance to it. He just didn't share it with me. But I know Dave and Lynette. And they're not out there giving fluff to those kids. They're out there giving, thus saith the Lord. Your kids aren't giving fluff and then some picture of a long-haired hippie Jesus who says, Yay, everything's wonderful. And then we send them on their way. No, we teach them, thus saith the Lord. And then apparently let them hit a pinata. But... uh, Church, that's why we're going to do things like we're going to do on Wednesday night. For those of you who maybe don't know, I was asked a question in our question and answer session about, well, for, for, for just sake of conciseness, we'll call it the modern day sex cult that is waging a war against our culture and against our churches and against our homes and against our children. And so this Wednesday night, like three days from now, in our evening, in our midweek service, I'm going to be addressing uh, what is the church's position and response to the modern day sex cult that seems bent on undermining and destroying everything that God has set up. Why? Because we need to be prepared as parents to protect our kids. And to prepare them for what they're going to face. By the way, protecting our kids isn't just covering their ears and eyes and going, ah, 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 ah. That's not how we protect our kids. 
as is appropriate, we need to prepare our kids to be able to stand for truth and stand and fight. So for those of you who maybe didn't know, I want to encourage you to be here Wednesday night. It'll be a help to you. We're going to deal very directly with some things. For those of you who may be like, what about the kids? We are going to have children's ministry available uh, Wednesday night for ages 4 through 12. And, of course, the nursery available for the younger ones. So that way, if you feel like Johnny and Jane, uh, Jimmy and Sue are too young to hear some of this, there'll be a place for them to go while you, mom and dad, grandma, grandpa, uh, can be equipped in those things. But why do we, why do we preach and teach things like that? Why? Because we have a God-given responsibility to protect Children, protect them from evil people. Protect them from evil philosophies. By the way, Jesus means what he says. And I look at people in our world who hurt children, who prey on children. And there's going to be a lot of people in a world of hurt one day. Because Jesus means what he says. So what is the objective of Jesus? What what does he want us as the church to do? Number one, he wants us to love them unconditionally. Number two, he wants us to look out for them diligently. And number three, and this is good for us this morning. He wants us to learn from them humbly. Did you notice what he said at the beginning of Matthew 18 there? Verse 2, And Jesus called a little child unto him and set him in the midst of them and, and said, Verily I say unto you, except you be converted and become as little children, ye shall not enter into the kingdom of heaven. Whosoever therefore shall humble himself as this little child, the same is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. What's Jesus doing here? He is highlighting as example the faith and humility of a child. Jesus highlights the desire of the child to be with him. He called this child to him, and the child came. The child allowed Jesus to, to, to handle him, to, to pray with him, to, be, to bless him. The child allowed Jesus to use the child however he wanted. Jesus highlights the desire of a child to be with Jesus, to, to have the faith of a child believe, to have the humility of a child to obey, to have the hunger of a child to be closer to Christ. By the way, this is the heart of kingdom life. The faith to believe. The humility to obey. The hunger to be ever closer. Matthew 5 and verse number 6, Jesus said, Blessed are they which do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. First Peter 5 and verse number 6, Peter said this, Humble yourselves under the mighty hand of God, that he may exalt you in due time. See, here's the thing. We talked about it earlier, the openness and the innocence of childhood. There is a humility in childhood that we lack for most of the rest of our lives. But Christians, hear me. We have got to get rid of the pride. We have got to stop resisting God. Kingdom life really is as simple as the faith to believe what God says, the humility to obey what God says, and the hunger to be closer to and more like Jesus every day. What does Jesus want us to do? What is the objective of Christ? It is that we might learn from children 
humbly. And I know we've talked a lot about children's ministry and it's been more philosophical today, but I want you to understand this. In just a few moments, we're going to have a time of invitation. And Jesus doesn't just love the little children. He loves you. He loves you. So this morning, I would encourage you to learn from the children. You know what? Today would be a great day to stop resisting God. Something in your heart, something in your life that God has been working on you about. Today would be a great day to humble yourself and stop resisting God. Today would be a great day for you to humble yourself and stop rationalizing your ways. Well, you know, I do what I do because it makes sense. Because if you just didn't carry the number over there. And I know God says, but we're really probably... Oh, stop. Stop resisting. Stop rationalizing. Some of us today would be a great day to stop rebelling. There are things in your life that you know aren't right. You know aren't right. Jesus doesn't just love the little children. Jesus loves you. Stop resisting. Stop rationalizing. Stop rebelling. Humble yourself. And start receiving the grace that he wants to give you. You know, church, the disciples didn't understand the reality that Jesus loves the little children. But you and I can't make that same mistake. Children are important to Jesus. Therefore, children ought to be important to us. The invitation this morning is simple. I want to invite you, if you would, first of all, to pray for our children. Take some time and pray for your children. You know the devil wants your children? You know the devil wants the children of this church? The world wants to chew up and spit out our little ones. Let's pray for them. Let's pray for them. Let's come to the altar. Let's kneel at our pews. And let's call their name out before the Heavenly Father. Pray for your children. Pray for the children that are close to you. Some of us have older children who are wayward. Pray for them. Some of us this morning, you know what? There are so many children in our community that no one is praying for. Maybe we take some time and pray for them. Pray for our children. Pray for their hearts to be drawn to Christ. Pray that they will come to know Him and follow Him. Let me give you something else. Pray for our children's ministries. We got VBS coming up in a week. Why don't we pray God will do something great in the hearts of our kids? I think about our junior church ministry. Listen to this. Vacation Bible School, Junior Church, Awana, Nursery, Youth Group, Sunday School, Bus Ministry, RU Recovery Ministry, Good News Clubs, HTCA. We've got a lot of different ways that we try to reach and help kids here at this church. Why don't we spend some time praying that God would bless and use these children's ministries to bless and reach children for Him? Do these ministries take time? Yes, they take time. Do they occasionally bring trouble? Yes, because someone's kid is inevitably going to hit somebody else's kid or bite somebody else's kid. Not yours. But it's worth it. 
And maybe today we just need to fall on our face and ask God to take what we want to do for him and to use it to do something great. Maybe this morning our hearts are just heavy. Maybe this morning we're away from him. Well, for you, the invitation is this. Jesus doesn't just love the little children. He loves you. And by the way, if in back-to-back chapters of the Bible, he would stop everything to meet with that child, then this morning, I guarantee you, if you come to him, he will stop everything to meet with you.